Welcome to our service tonight. It's uh, very good. Thank the accompaniment, the extra instruments that are playing. It's lovely to hear them as they join in tonight. And we want to begin our service with number 412. We have no other plea. My faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. Let's stand, please, as we worship. Let's come to the Lord now, please, in prayer and commit our service to Him. Father, we rejoice tonight that we are found again in the place of prayer and of praise for this Lord's Day evening. And Lord, we ask that as we've come to worship and to give thanks, we'll be each one mindful of the Savior's presence with us. And Lord, we know how much we need the Spirit of God to help us in our worship. And we pray, dear Father, tonight that we'd be very, very conscious of the presence of the Savior among us sitting in the pew beside, standing here in the pulpit. 
Lord, we are all conscious of our need of the power and the strength and the presence of our God with us. Lord, we've come to another evening service, but we do not want this to be just a repeat of something before. We cannot depend on the previous blessings. Lord, we are conscious of our need for Your presence and help with us now. And Lord, we ask that in this brand new opportunity, a brand new gathering of Your people, that as we come, Father, we present ourselves as Your servants. We present ourselves, O God, as those who are willing to serve. And we want to be kept in the center of Your perfect will. We want, O Lord, to be useful in Your kingdom. And therefore, as we ask many times before, and again we present our petition to, Lord, open up the opportunities whereby we may faithfully proclaim and fulfill the commandment which You've given to us to speak of Christ and to preach the gospel. We ask, Lord, from the very youngest person in our congregation, through those who are teenagers and young adults, and to the oldest member of our congregation, Lord, make use of us, we pray. Help us to see the ministry of God here expanding. We ask, Lord, to pour out Your blessing upon all our churches in Canada, the United States, and our missionaries, and overseas across the globe. And not only us, Lord, we are praying, but every single preacher of the gospel who is faithfully holding up the Lord Jesus and who is faithfully resting and proclaiming the unsearchable riches of Christ, and Lord, being faithful to Thy holy Word. That's what we want, Lord. And I pray that in these last of the last days, when there is turmoil and upset on many hands, yet, Lord, we don't look to these things. We lift up our eyes heavenward. For each day that we are allowed to live and another day that goes past, we are a day's march nearer home. We are called to lift up our eyes and look for our redemption draweth nigh. And therefore, give us, we pray, renewed faith and fill us with the Spirit of God that we might know that reviving power. Lord, we want to devote ourselves afresh into Your cause. We pray that the outreach that goes forward from our fellowship here, by our electronic sign, we're thankful for it, Lord, the message of the gospel truth that goes out continually. Lord, hear our prayer to bless that. We think of the outreach cards that have gone out into our community. We're thankful for those that have requested Bibles. And as the Word goes into the homes, Lord, make use of it in the salvation of souls. We pray that people will come into our fellowship here from our neighborhood to hear the gospel, to learn of their need of Christ, to be saved by sovereign grace, and Lord, to be built up in their faith. And to that end, we're asking that we will be useful 
for that purpose. Remember, Lord, those that have great physical needs in our church. We remember again Dr. McClellan. We pray for him in hospital. He will know your hand upon him in blessing and strength, and that we also pray with rejoicing for others that have come through their surgeries and those that have known your touch upon them in their own physical, bodily needs. We pray again for every family, for those that have unsaved loved ones. Father, answer our prayer and speak to the hearts of those who are still without Christ. We commit the meetings of next week in Port Hope, Lord, into your hand, and we pray for Brother Ferguson that he would know the power of the Holy Spirit upon him as he ministers the Word each night. And bless our people who will travel from here. Keep them safe on the roads. Bless our Brother Cranston as he rejoices in what has been accomplished, and yet, Lord, as he comes to the time of his own retirement, that his heart will not be cast down, but he will be able to rejoice and to give thanks for the years that you blessed him with. And yet, Lord, we pray for the health of your servant, that he will know strength and blessing. You would encourage his heart, bless his family. We pray for them. So, Lord, hear our prayers tonight. Remember, Lord, those that have great and heavy burdens, and sometimes things they cannot share with another, they're heavy upon their hearts. We're thankful, Lord, we come to one and you've invited us to cast our care upon the Lord, casting all our, our burdens upon Thee. And you've promised, Lord, to sustain us. And so hear our prayer tonight and encourage us, we ask, in the Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. Number 413, hymn number 413, I am redeemed, O praise the Lord. My soul from bondage free has found at last a resting place in Him who died for me. Please stand while we sing.
the words of this hymn, and uh, they are very precious because it speaks of the testimony that we have if we are in the Lord, if we know Him, and we can truly testify and proclaim, I, I am redeemed, I know what it is to be born of the Spirit of God. And when I reach that world more bright than mortals ever dreamed, I'll cast my crown at Jesus' feet and cry, redeemed, redeemed. What joy and peace there is in this great truth. Let's sing this final verse. Please turn in your Bibles tonight to the book of Romans chapter 1. Romans 1, we're going to read the first 17 verses. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant brethren, that oft times I purpose to come unto you, 
but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. May the Lord bless His Word to your hearts tonight as we have read, and I pray you will be encouraged as we look into the Scriptures a little bit later. Let me welcome you all to our service tonight. It's good to see you. And some folks that have returned again, we're very happy that you are here in the house of the Lord tonight. And if you are visiting online or you've come to be with us again, you are very, very welcome in your prayers. I believe Dr. McClellan, maybe, and his wife, May, will be joining us or are joining us tonight online. And if so, we welcome you. And brother, we want you to know we're praying very much for you and others in the congregation are as well. Remember also in your prayers, please, Calvin Golliher, uh, as he is suffering from a mass that they discovered on his lung. And Calvin is the son of Reverend Ian Golliher and his wife Beulah. Uh, Lord willing, they'll be heading tomorrow, I believe, to drive down to California to be with their son and his family at this time, if they can be of any help. So remember them, please, in your prayers. Hope you'll be able to stay behind for about 10 minutes or so after the evening service tonight as we spend some time singing and praising the Lord with your favorite hymns. This week is a, an important week for our Port Hope congregation as they mark their 30th anniversary and there are nightly meetings, 7.30 each evening, and the speaker is Reverend Gordon Ferguson from Northern Ireland, though he is retired now and he was a principal of our Whitfield College of the Bible for a couple of years. And do remember our brother as he brings the word on practical Christian living tonight. You'll see the list of those particular subjects as they're on that poster in the hallway. And there will be also on Saturday evening the dinner that has been put aside or going to mark the 30th anniversary and also the retirement of Reverend Cranston from that work in Port Hope. If you had put your name down for that dinner already, uh, you will be welcome to attend. The cost will be $30 each you pay by cash when you get there uh, to the dinner place, and there will be someone collecting that. If you need a ride, the bus will be leaving on Saturday at 4.30 in the afternoon, as the dinner is at 6 p.m. on Saturday evening. Thank you also for thinking about me and praying for the American Council of Christian Churches meetings going on also this week in Kittery, Maine, right on the coast of Maine. Lord willing, I'll be traveling down on Tuesday for those meetings and then back, Lord willing, on Friday. And so I hope to be at the dinner on, in Port Hope on Saturday night and then back for our own services next Lord's Day, though on Reformation services, 
Uh, Reverend Gordon Ferguson will be the minister next Lord's Day, both services morning and evening, and we're looking forward uh, to that. On Wednesday evening, our normal time through this week for a prayer meeting, the prayer meeting will not be held in our church this Wednesday, so please make note of that. It will be being transferred over to Port Hope, and if you'd like to travel there in person, that would be good, but if not, you'll be able to join that service from the Port Hope Facebook page as they broadcast or transmit their services. So that's Facebook Live and the Port Hope page. You'll be able to tune in there. Let me encourage you to continue in your support for our ministerial students. And as we mark, as you do, if you would like to mark an offering toward them on your envelope, well, we'll be sure that uh, those funds are going to support the needs of our students and then also the work in Fredericton and Brother Diderno as he has now uh, gone down to really start up that work again and to see it move forward to a new level and a new stage. Remember, please, also the Pregnancy Care Center. They're having a fundraising dinner on November the 4th, and uh, there are details both in our own church email bulletin and if you want to get more information, you can go on their website, and the tickets are available to purchase there and reserve your place if you'd like to support them. A couple of advanced things that has to do with the ladies' Bible study that will be recommencing October the 31st, and that will be on Zoom only. You can get a Zoom link through our email, and if you'd like to join up, we encourage you to do that. Maybe introduce some new folks to the ladies' Bible study, and you'd be welcome to attend. We are also asking for your prayers for the upcoming mission trip in the land of Korea. In South Korea, we'll be going to visit Song Ki Lee and uh, the ministry that our brother has there. And the, we appreciate much your prayers as we make those preparations to go there at that time. Let's sing again to the Lord's praise tonight, number 525, a well-known hymn, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Please stand as we sing. <laughs>
commend your singing well tonight as we praise the Lord, and it's good to hear you lift your voices to Him. We're going to turn in our Scriptures, please, tonight to the book of Galatians, chapter 3. The book of Galatians, chapter 3. I mentioned this morning, and I'll just remind you tonight that we have the latest edition of our current magazine, which is the, the magazine of our denomination in North America. And I think you'll find some very encouraging articles in there, in there and also some review of ministries that took place over the summertime. And it's good to be in touch with those and to be praying for all of our churches, all of our youth activities, and that among the young adults of our congregation and praying always for the next generation that's coming along, that God's hand and Spirit would be upon them. So please take a copy or two. We have enough. And uh, use them as an outreach tool and spread them to other people and introduce them to our ministry. Galatians chapter 3. We're reading the first 11 verses. Not a very nice way to begin well, this chapter, as Paul is dealing with a very serious problem among the Galatian church, and it had to do with their faith. It had to do with their justification, how they saw themselves in their stand before the Lord. And so he's very, very concerned. And he starts out by this really a rebuke. He said, O oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, who hath tricked you, that ye should obey or not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified 
by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Let's bow, please, for prayer. Lord, we have the Scripture open, and we have read tonight, and our prayer, Lord, is very simple. We need help. We need the help of the Spirit. I need help, Lord, tonight to speak the Word of God with clarity, with a power that is not of man. Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit will come to help us both to speak the Word and everyone here and online to hear and understand and then have it, Lord, applied in our life so that we can grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Bless us now this evening. And Father, any who are here tonight without Christ, any watching online, that Lord, you would come with power to their hearts. We're thankful for the ones who are in the service this morning the people that were without Christ. And Lord, we know that as the gospel went out, that we depend totally, absolutely, completely upon the Holy Spirit's work in their heart to save them. We cannot do it, Lord. And therefore, we are just Your messengers. We are simply the signpost. And give to us the help that is so absolutely necessary. Lord, hear our prayers this evening. Bless us now, we pray, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, you have already gathered from the reading in Romans 1, and now in this reading, I'm drawing your attention to verse 11 of Galatians 3, as we also noted the same text that is repeated in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 and 17. The just shall live by faith. I mentioned this morning that I wanted to speak on this well-known text of Scripture because, well, for a couple of reasons, but as we draw near to Reformation Lord's Day, and we want to think about the blessings of the Protestant Reformation that we have received from our hearts and in our hearts from the Scripture, well, it's good for us to dwell upon this, but more so I want us to consider the truth of the Scripture and the verse and how that can be applied and needs to be applied to our own hearts as God's people. Of all the the texts of the Scripture that have been emphasized from the Protestant Reformation, there is no doubt that the just shall live by faith must be the most important. Why, you ask? Well, because it is through that simple phrase that God spoke to Martin Luther's heart that resulted in such a transformation that his life was changed, but not his only. 
because of the impact that God used through that man, the whole course of Europe, and for that matter of the world, was changed. That's not an under or an overstatement. The shackles of Rome were broken when God used men like Luther to translate the Bible into the common language of the people. They were able to see then. They were able to see the false doctrines and the false teachings of Rome and learn that they could go directly to God. And they did not need to go through a human priest or listen to the admonition of the papacy. The Roman church at that time had kept the people under its heel and in darkness, allowing only for the priest to have access to the Bible, actually making it both illegal not just to own a Bible, but even to read it, to memorize its pages and its verses. But as the populace in Germany and in Holland and in England began to read the Word of God, and it spread across Europe, the Holy Spirit began to work through the Word, and thousands of souls were converted. They were saved, and whole countries were turned from darkness and into the light. The impact of the Bible in the hands of the nations had such illuminating power that the outcome, it cannot be overstated. When once folks believed that they could pay for their sins with gold and silver, and they could see their loved ones, their departed loved ones, who could be released from the imaginary place called purgatory, and they now, by the light of Scripture, they believed that their sins could only be forgiven by faith in the One who had died on a cross and shed His blood to make atonement for their sin, when once they had come to the light of that truth, the shackles that bound them, they were released from that. And no longer did they have to go cap in hand or go thinking that they had to do some kind of indulgence in order to be released from their sin. Salvation was free. And the free gift of God's sovereign grace that could never have been bought or worked for. And this news, my, it broke the people's dependence on the Mass. It broke the people's dependence on having to come to the priest as being the only intercessor for them. And so what happened? Well, what happened was the people didn't need to depend on the church anymore. And all of this was, and all the bondage that the church of Rome had on the people, it was shattered. 
And what happened was the reverberations, they continued out through these nations, these countries, and they are still rippling down to us to this very day. Friends, we owe a great debt to our God for what He did through the Protestant Reformation. And it is good to remember and good to review and to thank God for the heritage that He has blessed us with down to this very, very day. People came out from under the cobwebs of an apostate religion and the truth that the just shall live by faith became a trumpet call of salvation. And many were gripped by its simple truth. And has that changed today? Well, the truth has not changed. And the fact that to be justified before God by faith alone in Christ alone, that has not changed. But perhaps the familiarity and the access to the Bible has changed, and it has caused maybe such a familiarity that has bred a level of contempt. And I mean by that, that because the Bible is so accessible today, and because it is so readily available in the hands of many nations, people do not esteem the Word of God to the same level that once they did when they did not have it, and they could not access it. And they had to put their life on the line even to have or to obtain a copy of it. Then the Word of God was precious. It was rare. And if someone got hold of even a portion of the Scripture, they counted it of immense value. But the Bible today is online. It's on the phone. It's all over the place. And maybe it has bred somewhat of a contempt for it, or perhaps just a, an outright and straightforward rejection of the Word. And I want us to think today, tonight, for those of us who are in Christ, if we have been saved by the Lord's grace, let's consider again. Let's be reminded again of the greatness of the truth that we have in front of us, that we are called and were called unto salvation by the faith that the Lord has given to us, and that we are to live each day of our life according to that faith. I want you to notice then tonight in the first place that salvation by faith is exclusively in Christ. 
That message needs to be championed again today. That word needs to be spoken very loudly and very clearly. For the Lord Jesus Christ Himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Me. And the Apostle Peter made very clear declaration at the day of Pentecost, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. My dear brothers and sisters, and if you're not in Christ tonight or listening to this message online, the object of your faith is critical. Salvation by faith is exclusively in Christ. Why do I emphasize this? Why do I emphasize the fact that the object of your faith is critical? Because the question comes, what is your faith based on? What is the foundation of it? (laughs) There are posters that you will see around with beautiful nature scenes on them, and they are advertising the words maybe faith or blessed or maybe grateful, and that's all they say. Faith, blessed, truly blessed, maybe, grateful. And they could as well hang in a Christian place as they could in Alcoholics Anonymous or the YMCA or Kiwanis Club or a mosque. The message of faith means different things to different people. Maybe a person has faith in the power of self-determination. And in that sense, they would determine to live above the pull of alcohol or of drug abuse. Maybe they would determine and have faith in some other God. Maybe an unknown God as Paul spoke to the Athenians on Mars Hill. Faith to a social worker or to a devout Hindu is vastly different to the faith that Paul is speaking about here in Romans 1 and in verse 16. Because he qualified it when he said, the just shall live by faith. In verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of what? Of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first he qualifies, and also to the Greek. It is only, it is only in and through the object of Christ Jesus for He is the only and the center, the object of our faith, if we are going to understand what God 
is talking about by salvation. Yes, friends, it is absolutely vital. The entire Bible underlines that faith in self is fruitless, it's pointless, it's empty. And it's only faith in God and more directly faith in Jesus Christ that has any saving value. And once it is established that the Bible only acknowledges that faith in Christ is true saving faith, well, we then will understand the heart of the gospel by the words, the just or the justified person will live by faith. And what is, what is it that this saving faith in Christ does for us? Well, friends, to be very clear, it is salvation. Salvation means that we are saved from something and we are saved unto something. And we are saved from our sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the great problem that mankind has is that we have been separated from God as a result of and because of our own sinful nature and state. Friend, this is so vitally important for us to understand because when man sinned at the very beginning of time, the relationship that he had with God was broken. It was fractured. It was so broken that man could not put it back together again. But God did not leave us in that broken and shattered and devastated state. For the Lord reached down in His mercy and He brought us, He brought us to the place where He would save us from our sins. And He made a way. And in making a way of salvation, He pointed us and He showed us the object of our faith. God opened up the door of salvation for us. And friend, I say this to you tonight with all the heart and soul that I can and by all the authority of God's Word that I can to say to you that if you are unsaved here tonight, if you don't know Christ, you might think you are a man or a woman of faith. You might have faith in many things in this life. But if the object of your faith is not in the Lord Jesus, then you are trying to stand upon a foundation that is made of sand. And the Lord Jesus told us that the wise man who built his house upon the rock of Christ, when the storm of judgment would come, that house will stand. But the man who rejected the sayings of Jesus, 
is the man who builds his house upon the sand. And when the storm of God's judgment comes, that house will fall. And Jesus said, great will be the fall of that house. Why did He say it would be a great fall? Because it would be everlasting destruction. That's why. How important is it, friend, that your soul is built upon Jesus Christ. It is as important as your everlasting soul. That's how important it is. Because if you die without Christ, then you will die and go to hell for eternity. That is how important this is. And so when the apostle declared that great truth, the just man, the just woman, lives by their faith, it means, first of all, that we can only be saved from our sin by the object of our faith, which is Christ. Who is Christ? So we are saved from something, but praise God, we are saved unto the righteousness that Jesus purchased for us. Oh, what a, what, a, what a mighty truth this is. This deals with the imputation of Jesus' righteousness. And that means that when He died for us on the cross, He died to take my sin upon Him and His perfect life of holiness his perfect obedience to the law of God. He kept it perfectly. He never sinned. He never broke any of His Father's commands. And that means His holy life, His righteous standing, has become my righteous standing. Praise God! For all eternity, I will look and say, I magnify the name of my God because I have received the holy life of Christ applied to me. Oh, yes, friends, we have been saved from our sin, and we have been saved unto righteousness and to a holy life to live. The just shall live by faith. And this means that our salvation must be centered upon Christ. And when we've been saved from our sin and saved unto righteousness, we are saved for His glory. Do you know that God the Father is glorified through the sacrifice of His Son. God the Father is glorified through what Jesus Christ did on our account. And the Father is glorified as we are saved and brought into that relationship with Him when we have been justified fully and freely by His sovereign grace. And through the merit of His Son, 
and through the cross work of our Lord Jesus. And so that tonight we are saved to glorify Him. What is man's chief end? To glorify God? And in glorifying God, it means we have received of His grace. We've received of the righteousness of His Son. And our life is to make a difference and to be for His glory in time on earth. Ah, but much more for all eternity we will glorify our Father in heaven. Yes, brothers and sisters, we are this night called unto salvation by faith that is exclusively in Christ Himself. And I want you to notice in the second place tonight that living by the faith is revealed in Scripture. Living by the faith. When faith is accompanied with the definite article, that word, as it is in Jude chapter 3, we're told there to earnestly contend for the faith, which was once once for all delivered unto the saints. This is referring to the general description of all that is contained in the gospel as it relates to the plan of salvation, as it relates to the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, as it relates to the operation of the Holy Spirit in regeneration and the commands and exhortations and admonitions for all Christians to obediently and faithfully honor God and serve Him. So there is a lot in that word and that little phrase, the faith. When we are earnestly to contend for the faith, and that is used in other scriptures to define the gospel, but to define the gospel in its entirety. When you speak of the faith of the gospel of Christ, it is such a comprehensive term. In one, in one expression, it stands for the whole compendium of gospel truth throughout the Bible. Not the New Testament only, but throughout all the Scripture. And this means that the faith once delivered unto the saints is as vital to us today as it was when the gospel was preached to Abraham. You say, what? The gospel preached to Abraham? Oh, yes. That's exactly what Paul says and argues in Galatians chapter 3. Because the promise that Abraham received, that he was given by God, was this in Genesis 12, 3. 12, 2, and 3. That in thee, 
shall all nations be blessed. And Paul tells us that is the gospel message that was preached to Abraham. But it wasn't just preached to him. It was preached to every single child of God throughout all the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And I remind you that within the nation of Israel, there were those who were the elect of God. There were those who were the chosen and called ones within the visible nation of Israel. And how do we know that? Because within the Old Testament nation, there were those who were true men and women of faith, and there were imposters. And there were those who were not of the faith. There was a mixed multitude that came out of Egypt, of Israel. Uh, there were those of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. There was Gehazi, the servant of Elisha. There are many, many examples of those who were in the Old Testament church, but they were not, they were not believers. And that only goes to emphasize to us that between the visible church of Christ, the outward show of organized religion, if we like, or organized testimony of God throughout history, and the invisible church made up of everyone who is truly born again of the Spirit of God, truly a child of God, as the gospel was preached to Abraham, so it was also preached by Habakkuk. Because in Habakkuk's minor prophecy, that is where we find the first reference to these words, the just shall live by faith. So as Habakkuk in his prophecy proclaimed this gospel message, he was preaching the gospel in his time, and the Apostle Paul takes up that theme from Habakkuk, not because he himself was a smart man, but because the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. And we find it also repeated by God's servant in Galatians here, and also in the book of James. And so these references to the just shall live by faith it was preached in the Old Testament. It was preached by the apostles in the early church. And it was preached by all believers who faithfully followed and served the Lord throughout all church history, right up to the Reformation time, when once again God, by His Spirit, revealed it to Martin Luther. And it wasn't because Martin Luther was some super saint. He was a, a simple man. He was a man in the bondage of his own sin. He was in the Roman Catholic Church as a priest. And yet that man had no peace with God because the object of his faith was not Christ. The object of his faith at that time was the church and the mass and all the ordinances that the Roman Church was putting together. And it was not the Lord. 
Oh, Jesus was known by name, but He was not known as their Lord and Savior and only Redeemer. And therefore, it is for every true Christian this knowledge of the just living by faith. It is the anchor for our soul. It is the manual for our life. Oh, my dear friends, we better not lose sight of what it means to live by the faith revealed in God's holy and precious Word. So what does it mean when we say uh, we are to live by faith? What does it mean to you tonight? What does it mean for me in 2023 in a very antagonistic world to the gospel, so advanced technologically, so advanced in so-called enlightenment? What does it mean for us to live by faith? It means, friends, that we are to walk by faith as a rule of life, as a rule of life. And as we hold the Word of God, and as we walk by the gospel compendium of all that the faith stands for and represents, we want our life to be submissive to that truth. We want to have our lives guided and molded and directed because when that is taking place, we will know stability in our walk. When faith is the rule of life for us, it will stabilize your Christianity. If you've ever been on a large boat, a large ship in the ocean, they will make use of what are called stabilizers so that when the ocean gets rough, those stabilizers will go out. They're under the water. You don't see them. But they serve a purpose. Fishing vessels that go out into the roughest of seas have large booms that extend out, way out into the water, and they lower what are anchor-like looking pieces of steel, but they are, they are spread out and they go down into the water, and they act as stabilizers for those fishing vessels in order to keep them from being tossed more than they are tossed already. And so you and I, as God's children, we need to have something to stabilize us in a very unsteady world. And what is it going to be? Is it going to be your ability to navigate your life on your own? Is it going to be our ability to just figure things out on, by ourselves? And that's not going to work out too well. And it hasn't for us. Now, we need to have the stabilizers out. We need to have the anchor of the Word of God and the just living by the faith of the Scripture and the Gospel that's going to be, that's going to keep us on the even keel. It's going to be the main keel that goes down 
to keep the vessel from capsizing. And with Christ in the vessel of our life, and the Word of God in our hearts, in our minds, and being that stabilizing influence, it will keep us. Ah, but my dear friends, to walk by faith and to know that the just will live by faith, it is the rule of life that will bring us comfort in times of trial. And I want us to think very carefully about this tonight because there are some folks here in our congregation and watching online, and I'm sure perhaps who may listen to this message at another time, if that is the case, that you desperately need to know the comfort of the Lord in your present life circumstance. You need stability, but you need the comfort of the Lord and the peace of God that passes all understanding. And how will you receive this? Friends, you will not find it by the comforting admonition of friends, though you don't reject it and you appreciate that. You'll not find it from any self-help books that are out there of the five steps that you're going to find to navigate through life. You're not going to find it within your own mental, emotional, spiritual resources yourself. You're going to find it based on the faith that we have revealed in the Scripture. You're going to find it through the comfort of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. You're going to find it in Christ your Redeemer who is revealed to you from the Spirit of God as He applies the Word of God to your heart. You need comfort tonight. Do you need the comfort of the Holy Spirit to make sense out of your life circumstances that seem so unreal, so out of order, so mixed up. But do you know in the midst of the storm of life, we can have the comfort of the Lord to give us peace? Ah, yes, that sweet comfort and peace that even, yes, Job knew when he was in the depths, the deepest depths of despair. In Job 23, we thought about this a few weeks ago in the prayer meeting, I believe it was. When Job was seeking for God, and he was so distraught and so distressed, and it seemed that his world had completely darkened out and the bottom had fallen away. And he said, I looked, Lord, for you, and I looked on the, in front of me, and you were not there. And I looked behind me, and I couldn't find you. And I looked to my left hand and my right hand, and Lord, you weren't there. Where, where, where are you, Lord? And then he said, he knows the way that I take. 
And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. That's the comfort of the faith that a child of God has to depend on. And friends, that's what we have tonight through the Scripture. But it's not just that we have stability, and it's not just that we have this comfort. It is that we are enabled to rejoice when all around us speaks against rejoicing. The martyrs knew this. Those who have suffered great losses in their Christian walk have known this. And yes, we have, a, we have a peace with God that passes all understanding. And Paul said that we might rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Ah, believer, even though the clouds are over, and you have not seen the sun for many days, as the apostle did not on that ship when all, was, all hope that we would, they would be saved was gone, he said, sirs, I believe God. And that's our hope. Our hope is in the Lord and in the Word He has given to us. So yes, we have it as a rule of life. But we also have it, dear friends, as a guide as a guide to heaven. Oh, the Word of God, it does not fail. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, inspired Word, and all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's profitable to correct us. It's profitable to instruct us. It's profitable to make the way of the man of God straight and plain and clear. Are you feeding your soul on God's Word every day? Are you taking your nourishment from the Holy Scriptures? Life is busy. I don't know too many people who say, no, my life's not so busy. Everybody's life is busy. It doesn't matter who you talk to, where you go. Everybody's got stuff to do and things, much of it. And we can, we can make our life as busy so busy, too busy, that the Lord is kind of pushed aside. Be careful of that. And let us say before the Lord, I don't want that to happen in my life. I, I want all my responsibilities to be in the right order when I make the priority of my God and His Word. Because if I, being a justified person, am called to walk in faith and walk by faith, I better make use of the faith that is given to me. Because if not, I will find things out of order. And that's not good. We have to have the, the cart behind the horse to be pulled, not in front. Yes, we have as a guide from earth to heaven. All the way my Savior leads me, the hymn writer said, on my earthly journey. And as I, as a pilgrim bound for the heavenly land, am exhorted never to lose sight of Jesus, I want to keep Him in the forefront of my mind. I do not want to go astray. And the devil is very good at trying to distract us from this by 
other books and other things. You know, my dear friends, life is short. I remember a dear brother who used to run Reformation Bookstore over on Avenue Road, passed away now, gone on to be with the Lord. But he said to me when I went to see him once and I was looking at some books and buying them, he said, Larry, life is too short. Don't read junk. And that was a good advice. And that was even to do with some so-called religious books. Don't read junk. Get into the good, meaty, healthy, worthy books to read. Of course, reading the Scripture is the priority, but we also want to feed our mind with good theological, good biographical reading. If you have to read fiction, at least read fiction that draws you to the truth of the Word of God. It is better to read things that are going to edify your mind So we have the Scripture that is given as a guide. But also, we are to walk by faith and to be children of faith as a means of fulfilling our, our purpose. Now, I mentioned this this morning in the message, and I don't need to go over it to that degree, but it fits in to be applied here at least to Make sure that we are reviewing our lives and seeing where we are in the purpose of God. We are to be men of understanding the times and knowing the seasons of what Israel ought to do. That was the admonition given to the saints in the Old Testament. And we want to follow in the same path to fulfill the purpose that God has for us. And you say, well, I don't know what that is. Well, then get to prayer and find out and search the Word and know what God's will is for your life. And I close with this final point, number three. Living in the light of eternity, knowing that one day faith will be replaced by sight. And how that will take place, we don't fully know. We know we're going to have a spiritual body We are going to have resurrected bodies when Christ comes back again, and we will be with our Lord in heaven or on the new earth, whatever the case may be. We're going to be with the Lord. But while on earth we are called to live with the anticipation and hope and perspective of eternity, and when we are doing that, well, we know that one day, Though we cannot see things now with the natural eye, we are called to walk by faith. Paul argues that if you have things by your physical sight, it's no longer of faith. And if you can see something, what are you going to hope for it for? There's no need to do that. So we are called to walk in hope and by faith now because we're coming to a day when that will all pass away. And we won't need hope anymore. And we won't need faith anymore. We won't need prayer anymore because we'll be in glory with our Lord. But until then, well, let us who are the just, living by faith, always have the perspective of the greater picture of God's purpose and of eternity. Because if we can walk each day with the light of heaven shining down upon us, well, this earth will be like Two heavens we will have, heaven here and then a heaven at home. 
And that's the state and the spirit that we are to be in. May the Lord encourage your hearts tonight, brother and sister, not to be cast down or cast aside, and certainly not to be filled with worry. Sometimes I think we, if we don't have enough worry, we invent things to worry about. And that's not the way it should be for the Christian. Because when we're worrying, we're, we're not trusting the Lord. And He is worthy to be trusted. And He wants us to rest our life upon Him. Let's close, please, in a word of prayer. Father, we pray tonight that as we have tried to scratch the surface of this monumental text, with so much in it and so much behind it, and dear Lord, I pray that we will take hold of at least some aspects of its truth, and blessed Holy Spirit, please write them upon our hearts. Lord, work tonight in salvation for any here who are without Jesus. Lord, speak to their hearts and bring them to Christ. And we ask, Lord, that we would know your blessing now as we continue and just spending a few moments praising and giving thanks. And as we worship in our song, any who cannot stay, Lord, Continue with them in their own home and throughout this week and bless them all and part us in your fear and with that rich blessing. For we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Friends, we're going to sing hymn number 542 and this will sort of be a conclusion to our service officially and then a beginning of our time of praise tonight. It says, My faith looks up to thee. And so if you're not able to stay for a little extended time, please feel free to leave while we are singing this hymn. You can make your way out. But if you're able to stay for about 10 minutes or so, you'd be very welcome to do that. Four, five, 542. Let's stand to sing. Mm -hmm. 